welcome in everybody to another episode of the flagship podcast i am chip brown and uh we are joined of course by our fearless leader the managing editor of horns 24 7 the one and only taylor estes taylor how you doing you know what, Chip, after what seemed to be one of the world's longest bye weeks in covering uh, Texas football, I'm doing better that there actually is a game to talk about instead of all of the off-field issues that Texas has been showing and on-field issues too, I guess. How about you? <laughs> well, knock on wood, uh, lucky rabbit's feet, horseshoes pointed in um, because, of course, they're playing Baylor this week and Baylor has only played two games. And has been uh, and had to move its game last week with Oklahoma State to December twelfth because of COVID nineteen concerns, and Baylor has had a rough go of it with the COVID nineteen Taylor because they've only played two games. Yeah, Dave Aranda's first year is not going smoothly for him. That's a rough, rough, rough situation that he is dealing with right now, especially as a first-time head coach, not just a first-year head coach at the program, a first-ever head coach at the college level. So, Well, and I'll be honest, I thought Baylor would really struggle this year. Like I said, I think they would go four and six. Mm -hmm. and, and I was surprised that they went out to West Virginia and got into overtime with the Mountaineers because West Virginia has a better-than-you-think defense with Darius and Dante Stills on the defensive line. And of course, Tony Fields, the Arizona grad transfer linebacker who Texas was trying to lure here and probably thought in the last 24 to 36 hours of that recruitment that they were in good position. And then all of a sudden Fields decides to go with his, with familiarity. And um, the secondary coach at West Virginia is a former coach at Arizona who he felt comfortable with and now Fields is number three in the Big 12 in tackles and West Virginia's defense is, is good and they absolutely annihilated Baylor's running game I mean like they ran Baylor ran 33 times for 27 yards mm -hmm. after Baylor actually kind of ran the ball all over the place against Kansas but Kansas good heavens Kansas is terrible Puka Williams Returned to kick 92 yards for a touchdown to, uh, to get on to Scott Van Pelt's bad beats last week and then opted out of the season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's Mad Dog 2020, but still, this Baylor team is interesting, Taylor, and we'll, we'll get into some of the, I don't even know what you, just craziness of uh, Tom Herman's press conferences the last couple weeks. Uh, I don't know if, if that's become a drinking game yet or not. We'll, we'll get to it. But, you know, when you look at, you look at Baylor and they're, they're hard to figure out because they played against Kansas and did whatever they wanted. And then they played against West Virginia and couldn't run the ball. Charlie Brewer got sacked six times. And you're thinking, oh, God, Baylor got killed in this game. And then all of a sudden, you realize Baylor's defense is way better than any of us thought it was going to be. Right. They lost nine starters on defense from the team that basically shut out Texas in Waco last year. We can talk about that field goal in the final seconds of the first half and that touchdown with 10 seconds left just yeah. to 
to make it 24-10, but it was really 24 nothing. Anyway, when all those dudes left, Bravion Roy and, and James Lynch and all those guys left, you thought, oh, wow, man, poor Terrell Bernard. He's there all by himself. And now Baylor is killing it on defense, held West Virginia to 14 points in regulation, got into overtime, double overtime, and West Virginia won 27-21. But it, uh, this Baylor defense, Taylor, and then we learned from Tom Herman that he had Terrell Bernard committed to Houston when Herman was at Houston, and he didn't get him to Texas? Yeah. He said he fell in love with him. That was a direct quote, Taylor. Yeah. Tom Herman said, I fell in love with Terrell Bernard during recruiting when we had him committed at Houston. Well, if you fell in love with him, why didn't you bring him with you to Austin, Texas? Yeah, I mean, Texas brought a number of recruits with them. Um, Sam Cosme, Derek Kerstetter, um, you know, there was a few others that I'm trying to think who else there was. There was a number well, of Dan, Daniel those Young. Daniel Young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The running back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those are two that stand out. But Marquez Bimage was yeah. the guy that they were recruiting heavy at Houston. But right. Yeah. I mean, it, that and now here we are. Texas is desperate need of linebackers. Delia Dayway's out for the year and they need help and they are paper thin at that position. And so anyway, don't mean to uh, belabor <laughs> angst and agony, Texas fans, but we're trying to talk some football here and I'm just telling you what I see and what I'm thinking, Taylor. Yeah, and this Baylor team is very difficult to figure out, as you had kind of hit on, Chip. You know, I mean, with only two games, uh, like, on the schedule in general that they've played, plus, and you throw in the fact Tom Herman brought this up during his Monday press conference, but, you know, this is uh, Dave Aranda, as we all know. This is his first year as a head coach, and he's more so relying on his coordinators to be, you know, in the books, doing the X's and O's game planning. Um, since he is a first-year head coach, which Tom Herman credited Dave Aranda for allowing, you know, having that trust in his assistance as a first-time head coach. But the thing with the, the Baylor offense, you know, let's look at the other side of the ball. Obviously, Texas fans know that Baylor has Charlie Brewer, the quarterback. And, um, but what Texas fans and what Tom Herman and, you know, the, um, I think probably the defensive coaches more so are struggling with is Larry Fedora hasn't called an offense in years. And Tom said it's probably been about 15 years since Larry Fedora has uh, been a play caller on offense because, you know, he was a head coach um, before, you know, he was fired at North Carolina, became a uh, called or a, um, an analyst for analyst. Tom Herman. Yeah. Before getting that Baylor job. So, you know, yeah, and he was the head coach at Southern Miss before he went to North Carolina. So he right. hasn't he hasn't been calling the plays. Yeah. So I think that Texas had Baylor entering this game, you know, on paper, <laughs> on paper. Right. <laughs> I, I feel like we have to preface everything with any take that we have for a Texas, you know, opponent this year. But on paper. Baylor has a less talented team, a less experienced team. There's so many more question marks on both sides of the ball, um, even with, you know, the two player, you know, Charlie Brewer and, uh, and uh, Ter Terrell Bernard, you know, both those guys standing on both sides of the ball. But they kind of have the, the intrigue and the questions that um, kind of benefit them, I think, going into this game, Chip. 
And it's going to be really interesting. You know, I, I feel like Texas fans right now are super down on the program and, and rightfully so. Let's just say, let's just call it what it is. This Texas team may be underperforming worse than any Texas team that I've personally covered since I covered the University of Texas. This is my 10th season covering uh, Texas football. So this is probably one of the most underachieving teams that I've ever um, covered. So fans obviously are angry. They're annoyed. And I think a lot of them are losing hope in Texas. And my question for you, Chip, is even though on paper, Baylor, this should be a game that Texas wins. Even all things considered, the unknown, all of that, this is a game Texas should handily win. They entered the week as a two-score favorite over Baylor. My question to you is, do you have any confidence that Texas is going to handle business? Or is this going to be another one of those... Well, if they do it, they'll do it. If not, shocker, I guess. Yeah, I said, I said going into the OU game, this was the last game I was going to predict Texas wins. Um, because if, if I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt when they don't deserve it, then, and that's where we are. Because I look at, I look at this Baylor game and I think this is going to be a dogfight. I think this is going to be a one possession game. I will take Baylor to cover. I think Texas wins because, good Lord, if Texas doesn't start to show the improvement of a well-coached team, then this thing could go completely sideways, and we don't want to go there just yet because, as Todd Dodge said last week, Todd Dodge, the former quarterback at Texas, now Hall of Fame head coach with the 6A Division II reigning state champion Westlake Chaparral's said, if they just clean up their pre-snap penalties, they're 4-0. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those seasons that is so eggshell fine line, which is sad because this is a veteran team that, that should be frothing at the mouth for this opportunity to flex and win the Big 12. I mean, here there was OU sitting there like a like – a, Sitting duck, basically. A big piece of cake. Yeah. All you gotta do is, you know, throw some ice cream on that thing and and have a party. They were reeling. And then they come out in that first drive and they poop all over themselves with penalties and kick catch interference. And they won the toss and took the ball and wet their pants. And I was sitting there going, Oh my gosh, Texas, OU's gonna just mess around and they benched their starting quarterback in the first half. I mean, Mad Dog 2020 is not being good to the Longhorns fans and uh, Longhorns fans. We're here for you. We're <laughs> we're here. We're, we're here to console you. And listen, if if those Monday press conferences are wearing you out, turn them into a drinking game. Yeah. And maybe you need to uh, maybe you need to take make it a, a cleanse. You know, like you're you're drinking in a cleanse. So you know, it doesn't have to be alcohol, but I mean, alcohol might help. I was gonna say, I Just think fans may need some alcohol right now. If they if they are alcohol consumers, they may need it with this season because, I mean, this has just been. And the the thing that's so difficult, Chip, that you know we can sit here and say, oh, it's just twenty twenty. It's a weird year, but it hasn't been a weird year for Texas. It's just Texas is underperforming. This is not. Right. COVID. This is not the pandemic. This is not, you know, the injury deal that Texas went through last season. This is literally just 
a situation of Texas once again stumbling over itself, tripping over its own feet. I mean, it's it's almost like watching mm. a kid with both of his shoes untied running. You're just like, oh, I'm just waiting for what's what's oh, inevitable. No. And you know, this well, was the year that that wasn't supposed to happen for Texas. This was the year it was supposed to be different, right? And they haven't had the outside issues. The outside issues they've had had been created by Tom Herman. The issue with the eyes of Texas that was avoidable if Tom Herman would have relayed the expectations, which, as Chip reported. Um, last week in our um, insider report how, I mean, he got four, you got four head coaches at the University of Texas on the record, which is a very, very difficult for people who are not in our profession. I know everyone likes to be like, why don't you name sources? Well, let me tell you, it is tough to get a source to speak on the record nowadays. It is very tough. It is a challenge. I think I've only had one in my career willing to talk on the record. Chip, you got four saying essentially what Crystal Conte has been saying now about the expectation for the eyes of Texas has been what he's been saying since the summer. And this is to all the coaches. So really the problems that Texas has away from the field outside of quote unquote, their control actually was started because of Tom Herman's, you know, um, I guess negligence a little bit in paying uh, too close attention to what his team was doing when it comes to that. So, I mean, this is just one of those situations where, this is, I think, a turning point for the season for Texas, Chip. I think that this can go one of two ways. A mediocre finish is going to be considered, you know, a disaster this season. But I don't even know if I see it that way. I almost feel like this is going, they're going to run the table or they're going to finish 500. I just, you know, I feel like that's kind of where this program is at. And now it's, we'll see what, what they do after this bye week. But I'm not, I'm not holding my breath, I'll tell you that. Right. No, I think I think Texas fans are now conditioned to expect to be disappointed. And if they get something better than that, they'll they'll take it. And I just say this, it's the simplest, it's the simplest mantra in in football and really any sport. The sign of a well coached team is week to week improvement. Right, You're right. seeing that at K State. You're seeing that at West Virginia. Um, you know, you you sure expected to see it with the Texas Longhorns with 16 starters back. I mean, think about West Virginia. They fired their defensive coordinator in July because of inappropriate comments the Vic Caning had made right. that were perceived as racist. Mm-hmm. Neil Brown had to fire his defensive coordinator in July and talk about having a, an adjustment and a hiccup going into fall camp and West Virginia's given up, what, 18 points per game? I mean, 18. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, like you said, they haven't, Texas hasn't had that kind of disruption. So, I mean, the things, obviously there's news with regard to uh, the injury front. Jordan Whittington, God bless this kid. I mean, he looks so good and made a comeback from, arthroscopic knee surgery uh, was only out two and a half weeks came back quickly um, that w- he was supposed to be out three to four weeks played against OU caught 10 passes for 65 yards and looked good and then all of a sudden um, they discover there's a hip flexor abdominal strain basically where your abdominal muscles connect to the pelvic bone which they're saying will not require surgery just rest and they'll evaluate it in two weeks but gosh taylor right 
every time you think Jordan Whittington's ready to to get his career going at Texas, he's back in the tub. Yeah, I mean, you have to feel bad for him, you know, at this point. This is just in a Tom Herman explained this during his press conference earlier this week. You know, it's just a, it's a freak injury that this time, you know, it wasn't necessarily a situation of, you know, a lingering effect from a previous injury or something he could have done differently in the weight room or anything differently that could have prevented this. It was just a really freak um, accident. But, you know, this is just. I, I would imagine right now for Jordan Whittington, he is in like down in the dumps. And I think a lot of Texas fans are probably thinking he'll never recover. He's never going to be healthy for a whole year. But we've seen that kind of happen with the player Jordan Shipley. I mean, my goodness, he missed his first two seasons at the University of Texas with injury. And, you know, he ended up saying six years. And Tom Herman kind of made a joke about Jordan Whittington this week saying like, I mean, he has a long future ahead of him. I don't necessarily know if I see him as you know, somebody being in college for six years, but like he still does have that with this year, not counting him redshirting last year. But this is a huge hit to the Texas wide receiver death right now. Um, you know, Tom Herman mentioned that Jake Smith returned to practice during the bye week. Um, his status should, I guess, be clear, depending, barring any type of uh, setbacks from his return. But the wide receiver group, you know, Texas has a lot of bodies, but not a lot of bodies that are really stepping out. I'm just wondering where the heck is Brennan Eagles? I mean, seriously, because I feel like this kid just disappeared. I mean, and maybe I'm just too harsh on him, but like this, we talked about this leading up to the season chip. Like this is the year where Brennan Eagles has to, you know, come stand, step up and be the guy who is the, um, you know, the most veteran receiver that returned to the team from last year's roster. And we really haven't heard much at all about him. You know, I think that this is where we're going to, I think this is a situation where there's just need to be some of those gamers that step up. Maybe it's Kai Money, you know, at the slot. I don't know since it's Kai a slot position, Money. But, <laughs> but still just- You just made Texas fans spit out their beer or their <laughs> coffee. But kid's a great story. Tom yeah. says he's a grinder. And it's just, you just kind of wonder, like, why are got more, not more guys stepping at that receiver? Josh Moore, Joshua Moore has done, you know, a good job this season in his return. But, you know, all of the talk has been about Jake Smith and Jordan Winnington, but the talk has been about their injuries, not necessarily about their, you know, consistent production this year. So the receiver group, in my opinion, Chip, is all eyes should be on that right now moving forward. And let's, you know, find people to help out Sam Ellinger. I mean, my goodness, like, this like a running game yeah oh yeah i mean keontae ingram yeah <laughs> Where, where's his head yeah I but mean, you know yeah there's just too much talent on this team especially on offense especially at receiver it may be unproven but there's just way too much talent for us to be having these questions of who's going to step up you know entering the midway point of the season so um you know I, i'm watching the receivers this week against baylor to see if anybody is willing to really just you know put matters into their own hands all right, I'm going to present the offense, and then I think you're, you've got this wild stat for the defense. <laughs> um, the Texas offense is number one in FBS, leading the nation in points per game, 49.5 points per game. Mm -hmm. That should be enough. Yep. With all the other problems that this offense has had, whether it's now, not being able to run the ball consistently, 
um, injuries, you know, not, uh, not being able to finish drives, stalling out in the third quarter. They score an average of 49.5 points per game. That should be enough. And Taylor, why isn't it enough? Because of how atrocious this scoring defense has started the year. Okay, so um, Tom Herman was actually asked about this during his press conference this week about the, you know, the, or Chip, it was you actually that asked the question about the scoring defense issues you'd mentioned, you know, they're currently on pace to um, finish as the worst scoring defense in school history, currently allowing 36.3 overall points to their opponents. However, I will tell you this, Chris Ash, you better go and give the biggest hug and kiss to Bob Bowlesby after this year, because it's a good thing that the Big 12 decided to not follow suit with the other conferences and actually have one non-conference game this season. Because if Texas did not have that UTEP game, which was such a gimme, then the deck, the Texas defense right now would be in Big 12 conference play right now. They are allowing an average 47.3 points per game against Big 12 opponents. The Texas Holy defense, I'm repeating this. Yes, the Texas defense is allowing 47 point three points per game. And mind you, I know people are going to point out, oh, well, there was four overtimes against Oklahoma. Okay, well, that accounts for, uh, what, 21 points, I believe. So at that rate, they're still allowing more, I think it's more than 40 points per game. I mean, that is... You made me fall out of my chair temporarily, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm rummaging through my, through my uh, Phil Steele mm-hmm. to see... Just how bad the Kansas defense has been. So Kansas gave up 46.1 points per game in 2015. Um, That is also when they fired. um, Well, no, that was uh, David Beatty's first year at Kansas. Yeah. If if you're in that neighborhood, what are we doing? I mean, this is a, and, and look, we'll see. We'll see if these guys can get it together because there's too much talent on that defense. I'm just telling you, there's NFL players on that defense. Joseph Osai, Mm -hmm. Keandre Coburn, Devondre Sweat, Alfred Collins is going to play in the NFL. I mean, Caden Stearns thinks he's an NFL player. Well, and And, remember, Tom Herman called Jalen Green a three-year guy when he signed with Texas. I mean, the talent is there. And... At this point, I mean, Chip, this is like I was doing the the numbers and I was literally because I I, I hate stats. You know, all last season we heard so many people talking about the amount of yards that Texas gives up. Okay, well, stats don't tell a whole story, especially if you're playing defense in a conference like the Big 12. I mean, how many how many solid defenses had this style of offense absolutely just torched in other conferences? I mean, a lot, a ton of times that's happened, but So that's where scoring defense is the biggest stat that you have to look at if you're looking at the Big 12. You know, yards allowed, guess what? Yards don't always, you know, amount to points. No, you're right, points. Points. And so the fact that this is literally the worst, (laughs) on pace of being the worst scoring defense, this is in a a year where, you know, Chris Ash took over a solid veteran, not just starters, but throughout the tube deep, an experienced, experienced unit. And the last, you know, three defensive coordinators at the University of Texas have at least had one first year where 
they were solid and, and it came in year one when they took over veteran units of upperclassmen and people with experience. And Texas just is not, they're not doing that this year. And so, you know, I know it's a new scheme, but the reality is a defensive scheme is much easier to learn than an offensive scheme. Um, they're not doing anything out of the ordinary that is just entirely shockingly, you know, stark difference to what these players ha- are kind of used to. I mean, it is a little difference. There's different, you know, uh, scheme and everything, but still it doesn't, doesn't change the assignment, you know, sound, all of that type of stuff that the defense needs to be focusing on and they're just not doing it. So, you know, if, um, if I'm, if I'm Tom Herman, I'm having some really tough, talks with the defensive staff right now because they were brought in to fix this. And at this point, they're actually going in the opposite direction. And, you know, there were how many coaches that lost their jobs last season because it wasn't going in the right direction in Tom Herman's mind. Now it's going worse. It's time to really play hardball with these coaches because his job at this point is on the line. Right. When you underperform like this and you're giving up record you know, I, I think back, the, the last time Texas gave up this many points was 1997. They gave up 33.3 points per game. John Makovic got fired. Mm-hmm. John Makovic got fired because that the offseason before, he, he promoted Bobby Jack Wright as his defensive coordinator, who was already on staff. And, I mean, the big money guys at Texas went to Makovic said, we will write a blank check. Go hire the best defensive coordinator in the country, we'll pay him. And John Makovic promoted Bobby Jack Wright. He was he was done. He and he won the '96 Big 12 title in dramatic fashion and one of the great um, t- Texas football memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, beating a three touchdown favorite Nebraska team, James Brown boldly predicting it. A year later, Makovic was gone. So, look. When you replace both coordinators, we all know this, the next guy they come looking to is the head coach. So this, you're right, Taylor, this is a huge week. Who'd have thunk that the biggest game of the year would be a home game against a Baylor team that lost Matt Rule, lost nine starters from that defense last year, and, and, and coming off this bye week where Texas had all kinds of distraction about what it's head coach was telling them about what was expected from, you know, the eyes of Texas, all that Uh, Texas players today. um, We're recording on Tuesday, Texas players today, Sam Ellinger and Taquan Graham were the the players we got to talk to. Both were asked about, Hey, what's going on with the eyes? Why Sam, why were you all by yourself in that picture after the OU game? And he, he said there was confusion that the song took too long to play 12 minutes after the game and OU's out in the field celebrating. Texas players don't want to stand in the OU end zone and put up with that. Got it. But it was just terrible communication to anyone about any of this. And Tom Herman has spent his last two Mondays opening his press conference with comments about the eyes of Texas. Now, the players say it's not an issue inside the locker room. That in that they need to move past this. That you know that there shouldn't be questions about this at this point. We, you know, he's like we've all talked about it, but um, Tom Herman did not. Uh, it sounds like Tom Herman did not believe 
in going to his players and saying, hey, um, Del Conte and Hartzell, um, would, while they investigate the origins of the eyes of Texas, and because they're acknowledging on-campus changes for a more inclusive campus, can you all stand together during the eyes? Right. Because if you don't, it gives the appearance that you're divided. Right. And that invites more questions than it's worth. That's all Tom Herman needed to say. And, and the team knows how it feels. And Jay Hartzell has said, hey, let's re, you know, repurpose the eyes of Texas to where we all agree it is a unifying song. We acknowledge that it was presented on campus by a minstrel show. But we now say we, we take control of this song. For most of us, for 120 years, we didn't know the origins of it. It was always a unifying song. Let's acknowledge that, okay, it was introduced during you know, the turn of the century in, in blackface on campus, but let's see it for what we've thought it was for 120 years. Okay, say that, you get the players on the field, no problem. So now, Taylor, we're all going to be watching the Baylor game Saturday and watching the post game to see what's going on. Yeah. And no, it's I- like you're four games into your season. And you're still being asked about your school song. And now others across the nation. And I had a coach ask me, call me and ask me, what's going on with that song? Is this thing a big deal? And I'm like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge deal to the majority of Texas alums who like every, most everyone else for 120 years thought it was a unifying song and can't stand to see what's going on with it right now on top of everything else in Mad Dog 2020 and an underperforming football team and a coach who keeps saying it's getting better. We're improving. Uh Uh-oh, I got a drink. (laughs) We're in the drinking game. I'm kind of wondering, like, are we watching the same games? It's not improving. uh, We've already talked about the OU game. So, Let's stay focused on Baylor. And I think we've kind of touched on it all, Taylor. I mean, Baylor is an enigma. But Texas Texas should be playing to its own standard now. I mean, I thought I'm stunned that this Texas team didn't come back from that Texas Tech game, especially on defense, and just play lights out against TCU. They had so much to prove. They had so much to answer for. And they gave up 11 explosive plays again, mm-hmm. just like they did against Texas Tech. And too many points. Too many points, not enough pressure on the quarterback. We'll see. I mean, again, West Virginia sacked Charlie Brewer six times. That's one more sack than Texas has for the season as a team. Yep. Okay. All right. Listen, hey, we'll be right back. We'll just keep rolling on. And we appreciate everyone who goes over to iTunes and gives us a five-star rating and gives us a little bit of a review. We'll read it on the air, make you a star here on the flagship podcast. Taylor, you know, she, she finds those reviews and then <laughs> blows you up. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, we you know, would suggest if you're not an annual member of Horns247.com, we – are where insiders go to eat. We feed insiders every day. The morning brew, the insider on, on Thursday mornings, it's constant. Mm-hmm. So come on. Right, Taylor? 
Absolutely, Chip. And and you've been crushing it lately, especially with the, you know, if, if uh, you're listening to this and you did not see Chip's report in the Insider from last Thursday, definitely, definitely go check that out. Um, this is where he got four University of Texas head coaches on the record talking about the situation with the eyes of Texas, including um, one of the most, the best coaches in Texas uh, sports history, I would say, probably, uh, Eddie Reese, the longtime uh, swimming and diving coach there at Texas, who has 14. Yeah, I, was 14 saying, I, I don't have enough hands to count how many national championships he has, but that's the uh, best. The yeah, you, you definitely need to go and check that out. And also, every Monday, we have the Stampede, our weekly insider recruiting piece that Mike Cow or Mike Roach, Mike Cow, <laughs> my bad, <laughs> Jeff How Mike Roach, there we go, <laughs> that Mike Roach and Nick Harris uh, put out. So, you always want to be tuning into Horns 24-7, especially right now. I mean, there's so many questions right now, Chip, and I think for the first time, um, you know, in a while, this is a situation where there could be a coaching change at Texas. At it's the end fluid, of the as, they, as they say. It's fluid. Tom Herman is, is coaching for his job. I didn't think he would be this year, but he is. Yeah, I, and I, I agree. I totally did not think so. I didn't necessarily think so you know, before COVID hit, I was thinking no way, you know, I mean, it would take them probably not making it to a bowl game for him to truly be coaching for his job. But then COVID hit and I for sure thought, oh, even if they don't finish 500, you know, it would be hard to see a situation play out where Tom Herman would be yeah, potentially coaching for his job. But that's where we are right now. And, and it's not necessarily, Chip, about the I don't know if it's so much about the losses per se at this point. I think it's about the way Texas plays in games. It's not, it's not, you know, um, the loss to Oklahoma in a four overtime game. It's not, it's not anything. It's the one big 12 conference win so far came in overtime when Texas had to score 15 points with three minutes left in regulation in order to force overtime to even get a chance to win the game. It's, you know, having um, benching the freaking starting quarterback of, of Oklahoma in your rivalry game and having first and goal, first yeah. and goal with two minutes and 32 seconds left against TCU mm -hmm. to finish off the game. Exactly. And, and then you, you you decide to you know put some on the blooper reel. Yeah, exactly. It's like you had one job. It's that you know that college game day segment where they kind of rip on people. Texas should always be on. You have one job on college game day because my God, like you had one job to take advantage of Oklahoma's starting quarterback being benched in the first half and you still lost. You had one job to not go tempo with two minutes left in the ball game against a team that has historically had your number and a coach that has historically had your number and embarrassed you at home. You had one job to take care of business as a two, you know, a double digit favorite over Texas tech on the road against, you know, a Texas tech team that struggled to beat Houston Baptist. You had one job and Texas hasn't done any of those jobs. So, um, you know, it's just, it's interesting. What you're saying is it's time. It's time, Texas. And if these players are united and they're ready to win, then we should absolutely see it mm -hmm. on Saturday against Baylor. And if we don't, then this is, this is some of the worst coaching I've seen because either that or these players aren't taking Tom Herman seriously. Or, and I've heard that the players are confused. 
Like they feel like they're practicing hard. They feel like they're doing everything they're being asked to do. There's good attitudes. They're together. And then they go out on Saturday and they're not being put in position to win. Now they're making mistakes and now they're punishing foolish mistakes and they have accountability um, panels and guys who are have that too. I'm curious. What's that? Do the coaches have that too? Cause they may need it. Yeah. More so accountability coaches for the coaches. All right. So we've, uh, we've told you just depending on how the game goes Saturday, just turn Herman's press conference on Mondays into a drinking game. Yeah. All right. So Taylor, you ready for a little love it or leave it? I certainly am, Chip. All right. Everybody's favorite, uh, every, everyone's favorite part of the show. Yes, sir. All right. I'm going to pose uh, a few statements to you. If you agree, go ahead and love it. If you disagree, go ahead and leave it. All right. So my first one for you, Chip, is love it or leave it. Texas beats a team that was out of practice all last week and has only played two games this season. Love it or leave it. Okay. I'm going to love this. And I don't know what the what the line is right now to you. Is it like 12 point? It was nine and a half when I checked early in the week. So it opened at double digits, didn't it? Or am I making that up? I know it was two scores. I'm not sure if it opened at double digit. I know it was at least two scores though. Okay. Well, I'm going to take Baylor to cover. Okay. Because I, I don't have any reason to believe that this Texas team will be improved until I see it. I'm not vouching for them anymore. No. So, I mean, my gosh, Sam Herman came, I mean, Sam Herman, <laughs> Sam Ellinger came out before the OU game and challenged his teammates to, to be more disciplined with more attention to detail. And they absolutely stunk up the cotton bowl. I mean, that's a total disconnect for me. Mm-hmm. Like this team doesn't rally around each other. And that's just weird because when you have great player leadership, the players are policing the players. The players are holding each other accountable and the players are coaching the players and you get a better product. You get an improving product. So So this isn't on player leadership then. I, I mean, at this point it's hard to question the player leadership. I mean, Sam Ellinger Anybody who has a brain that's watched Texas football, especially if you watch that OU game, you knew he is the alpha dog. There's no, even if you don't know anything about football, you knew who the guy is, the guy on the Texas team. You knew it was Sam Ellinger. And yet, and we know that Joseph Osai is a leader. We know that Taquan Graham is a vocal leader. I mean, there, there are. Even Keandre Coburn. I mean, that guy's always trying to tell tell people to pick it up and keep your head up. And we got, you know, a lot of season to play. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't blame this on player. Like, yes, you do absolutely 100% the best situation you have, especially as a coach is having those solid player leaders that keep each other accountable. But if they don't have faith in the coaching staff, I don't care how good of leaders you have on the team, it's not going to be set up for success. So it makes me wonder how much faith do these players and trust do these players currently have in the coaching staff? All right. Well, what else you got for me? All right. So, love it or leave it, Texas has enough depth at receiver that the offense will survive without Jordan Whittington. Uh, I'm going to leave this because 
Uh, Jake Smith is supposed to be practicing this week, so we're expecting to see him against Baylor. His hamstring uh, flared up before the OU game, literally in warm-ups. We were trying to figure out why he wasn't on the field, and then finally word got back up that he had pulled his hamstring in pregame warm-ups. But Brennan Schooler, we learn, this week has some big old right thigh contusion that's had to be drained. What? That There's your three slot receivers right there. Jordan Whittington, Hamstring Smith, and now Contusion uh, Schooler. So I'm leaving this. I mean, right now, your guy Kai Money is looking like money. Yeah. For some playing time against the Sikkims this Saturday. No doubt. Yeah, I'm going to leave this too. I think that, you know, as, as we kind of talked a little bit earlier in the show, it's I understand that Texas has depth. Absolutely. They have bodies to rely on at the overall receiver position. The slot receiver right now is in, um, you know, a little bit of shambles to say the least, but none, I mean, even aside from the slot receiver, there's really not a ton of other guys aside from Joshua Moore who have consistently stepped up. And so I don't care how, I don't care how many bodies they have at the position. If you have all these, you know, quote unquote, talented, high, um, recruited a high star, you know, high ranked recruits that you have a position readily available, but they're not performing up to what they should be performing. Then now I have no, I'm not going to say that I have too much faith in that group. I'll tell you that to say the least, but you know, J- Jake, come on, Smith, Tariq Black, come on, man. Yeah. You know, Jake I mean, Smith, this could be as, you know, he, he didn't necessarily have a ton of the injury issues that he, that Jordan Whittington did last season. Um, and so it doesn't, I think Texas fans are probably kind of wondering what his situation is, but you know, this isn't a guy who is like a Jordan Whittington. So it's time, you know, he's got to find a way to stay healthy. I mean, I don't know what these skill players at Texas are doing under Tom Herman's watch, but my goodness, I feel like it's constant with <laughs> whether it's defensive backs or, you know, receivers or whoever it may be, it's just constant injuries. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Chip. I'm definitely going to leave that until I'm proven otherwise, until the talent at receiver overall actually steps up and, you know, does their job. But yeah. No, no time like Saturday. Exactly. All right, Chip. So love it or leave it. Tom Herman has an advantage over Dave Aranda based on their longtime relationship dating back to when Aranda was a GA at Cal Lutheran when Tom Herman was a player there. Okay, I am going to leave this because I, it sounds to me like Dave Aranda has the goods on Herman from their days back at Cal Lutheran because during uh, Dave Aranda's press conference this week, he was asked about what he remembers about life with Herman when Dave Aranda was a GA, a grad assistant at Cal Lutheran when Herman was a player there. And he came up with this gem. Taylor, you ready? Mm-hmm. This is Dave Aranda at his press conference this week. I remember him being Herman, being the MC at our women's basketball games at Cal Lutheran. My girlfriend at the time, my wife now, was on that basketball team, so I would show up in the gym, and there's Tom. He's announcing it. Then it would get to halftime, and the lights would turn down, and they'd have these strobe lights, and Tom is on the table dancing. So it's like, wow, 
I've always been impressed with Tom and he's always been great to me. I felt like we were about to get another nice part of that story. And then he, you know, like he got to, so it's like, wow. And then he realized, uh, I just need to wrap this up. <laughs> but I mean, how about our man, Herman? He was the MC at Cal Lutheran women's basketball games. Sounds to me like he wants to be in our business. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's working the, working the DJ thing. He's who's that uh, DJ. Oh man. I'm so, Oh, the DJs, at the basketball games. How can I not remember their names? Maybe oh, I, I don't cover. Yeah. I haven't covered a basketball game in years, so I don't know. Oh. <laughs> anyway, Tom Herman, if things get really tight because of COVID, he might be able to work as the announcer at the Texas men's basketball games. Oh, talk about step up there. <laughs> you know. No, I've, uh, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm actually going to love this. I'm going to disagree a little bit. Um, you know, Dave Aranda is a first ever head coach. So, and he's been dealing with an uphill battle would be putting it lightly, I would say this year. So I'm going to say that text or that Tom Herman does have an advantage. I'm not necessarily going to say that it's because of their longtime relationship. You know, I think it's more so just the, you know, he's a more seasoned coach. Um, he has a better roster, a quote unquote, more talented on paper roster <laughs> at his disposal than what Dave Miranda inherited. And, you know, it's, it was kind of funny. Tom Herman talked a lot about the um, the quote unquote similarities of what the, you know, Baylor's kind of dealing with, with having a new staff. It's like, don't even, don't even like you've been there. It was your choice to replace your assistant coaches. Don't try to put yourself in the same situation as Baylor, who has had multiple COVID disruptions, an entirely new coaching staff, replacing all of these starters on the roster. It's like, okay, maybe the people who like to listen to coach speak are going to hear that and be like, oh yeah, Tom, that's a good point. You do have the same amount, but no, I'm sorry. <laughs> like if you have a brain in your head, it's not even close. So I think that Texas should have the advantage. Tom Herman should have the advantage over Dave Miranda. All right. All you right. Got one more for me. I got one more for you. And this is actually uh, something that will hit home with you on a, a couple of levels, actually. So Chip, love it or leave it. Shane Bouchel and your alma mater, SMU, beats Cincinnati this week and takes control of the American Athletic Conference. I'm loving this. I'm loving it. Come on, SMU. I said before the season, SMU was going to win the AAC, even though everyone was picking Cincinnati and Memphis, because SMU, even though they play in a little high school stadium there on campus, got both Memphis and Cincinnati at home this year. And they've already beaten Memphis in, uh, in Dallas. Chris Nagar, former Longhorns kicker, booted a 43-yarder to win that game. Of course, Shane Bouchelle threw for four touchdowns and no picks. And, and now here they are facing Cincinnati. And Cincinnati's a top 10 team. And SMU is like 16th. But SMU's 5-0, and so I've, I've invited all Longhorns fans, until they're satisfied or struggling to watch the Longhorns, to jump on that SMU Mustang Mafia bandwagon and cheer along with Shane Bouchelle and Chris Nagar. It's very familiar, and, it's, and they got great receivers. I mean, they're fun to watch. Rasheed Rice and, 
and uh, Reggie Roberson's hurt. But man, they got uh, where's how come Texas doesn't have receivers like SMU? I don't know. I'm maybe they saying. need to hire uh, Rashad Samples back because he's yeah. the SMU receivers coach. Uh, so what you're point. telling is, isn't the phrase pony up? Isn't that a SMU phrase that they use or is um, that not? Pony anyone up? who knows me knows that that was a horrible misstep in the eighties when they nicknamed Eric Dickerson and Craig James, the pony express, because then it became pony up, pony, this pony, that, and ponies are little horses that show up to girls birthday parties. <laughs> Whereas Mustangs are wild and kick things and break things and destroy things like the Mustangs are going to destroy Cincinnati on Saturday night. So yes, I'm loving this. Come on, Shane. This is your moment. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll love this for you. How about that? Uh, that'll be my present for you this week. <laughs> but, and plus, you know, I, I always really, really, um, liked Shane Bouchelle a lot when he was at Texas. He was such a good kid. I mean, he was the definition of a team player, honestly. I mean, in, in a 2018, you know, a season where he very easily could have just opted out, you know, once he lost the starting job to Sam Ellinger, like other, um, you know, a number of other schools have had their, you know, Clemson had that with Trevor Lawrence and, uh, oh my goodness, why can't I think Kelly Bryant? Kelly Bryant. Yeah, I wanted to say Chad Kelly. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> Kelly Bryant. But yeah, I mean, you know, he quit mid midway through the season. So Shane stuck it out. He, uh, you know, was there readily available when Texas needed him. I will always root for Shane Bouchelle because of the type of team player that he was. So I'm going to go uh, must hang up, not pony up. Is that better? <laughs> Come on. All right. There you have it, folks. Get, uh, get all fired up. Um, for Saturday's game and go back and listen to uh, the flagship podcast interview with Bruce Hooley uh, from last week because Bruce, who's covered Ohio State for 33 years, just uh, we picked his brain about Urban Meyer. You know, if things went sideways at Texas, would Urban Meyer consider the job, all of that? Go listen. Bruce Hooley knows Urban Meyer, as well as anyone, uh, does a podcast with Chris Spielman. Spielman's very close to Urban Meyer. Uh, anyway, you can check that out. And, of course, always be listening uh, for the next uh, flagship podcast. We try to keep you, keep you enlightened and entertained. Infotainment. Right, Taylor? Exactly. That's exactly what we're providing. And we'll have our reaction podcast um, after the Baylor game uh, late Sunday night, early Monday morning. So make sure to check that out too this week. Absolutely. All right. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends and enemies about the flagship podcast, the fastest growing uh, podcast, Longhorns podcast. Of course, insiders love it. And, uh, and so tell them, get over to iTunes, throw us a five-star rating and a little review, and we will uh, mention you right here on the flagship podcast. Until next time, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Um, you know, get over to Horns 24-7 and stay safe and keep the faith.